title of this series of talks, if you will, is Rows and Circles. Rows and Circles. What does that mean? We're going to talk about it this morning. If you don't like that title, I have a subtitle for you today. You can write this down. Maybe you can relate to this. Is My back hurts. We're going to look at some scripture and then we're going to pray. John chapter 2, verse 17. I hope that's a piano and not a person back there. His back hurts. John chapter 2, verse 17. We're going to jump into this moment. It's, it's, it's this, this thing that is said about Jesus that I, that I love. And, and it's because the, the disciples, they remember something that was that was essentially prophesied about Jesus, that was said about Jesus, and, 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 and they say this and they recall this because they're observing uh, 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 in a way that Jesus walks into essentially into a church and Jesus reacts and responds in a way that causes the disciples to say, say this. Jesus sees something happening in his church that he does not like. Make no mistake, nobody cares more about the church than Jesus. The disciples say this in John chapter 2, verse 17. His disciples remembered that it was written. As they observed how Jesus was reacting, they said this, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. First, First Corinthians 12, this is what we're going to read as well, and then we're going we're to get into this. First, First Corinthians 12, Paul is, is speaking and writing to the Corinthian church. And there's a number of issues that, that Paul is addressing because we have issues in the church. Can I get an amen? And, and, and Paul, he, he, he hears about, he finds out about the Corinthians church. One of the issues that they're having is they're getting caught up uh, in the wrong way with the gifts of the Spirit and the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And they're starting to compare. And they're starting to get jealous. And they're starting to wonder who's more important. And people are not getting taken care of as they should. And they're starting, division is starting to make its way in the church. And so Paul writes this part of his letter. And it's just kind of like, hey, guys, guys, can I just remind you the whole point of all of this? Of why the Holy Spirit even gave you these, these gifts? We're going to start in verse 12. This is what Paul says, for just as the body, I love that he uses this analogy, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and, are, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It is one spirit that brings us all together. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. I'm thankful that we're not all the same. Can I get an amen? If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I'm thankful for the different parts of the body of Christ, even that make up this service today. Did you know the amount of volunteers and people that bring their gifts that make this service happen? 
that get here long before we do that you never see? Right now, as this service happens, there are people in rooms around this building making sure that this service broadcasts around the world so people can hear the gospel, sound, and lighting that we never see. Our worship team gets here early, and they practice, and I'm so thankful for their gift. Because if not, I would have to sing, and no one would come to church. Verse 21, that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Oh, Paul is bringing into perspective to the Corinthian church on these, and on the, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our most presentable parts do not require. And then Paul brings it home. He says, guys, here's the point. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Paul is like, guys, got to take care of each other. And then verse 26, if one member suffers, we get a glimpse into the community of God. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Paul is challenging the Corinthian church. They're getting so caught up in things that don't really matter that they are becoming ignorant of how each other are doing. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Before we pray, I've noticed that Christians and non-Christians, all people, have a lot of opinions about the church. You ever notice that? We all have opinions on the church, what the church should be, what the church should not be, what the church should look like, what the church should not look like, what the church should be doing, what the church should not be doing, what the church should be focusing on, what the church should not be focusing on, what the church should be involved with, and what the church should not be involved with. As do I. I have my opinions for the church. I also have an opinion about my opinion of the church. You don't know what it is? Who cares? Why? Why? Because I don't need to just have an opinion and think what the church should look like when I can look at what God has already said in his word about the church. Could it be? Could it be that the church according to Jesus, who is the head, is the pioneer of of, of our church, of the church, could it be that our idea of the church is different to his plan? Could it be that the church according to Jesus is more than just sitting in a row of chairs? In our our case, comfortable chairs, like almost too comfortable. That 9 a.m. service was tough sometimes, got to get an amen. Could it be that, that real change doesn't happen just sitting in a seat. Could it be that real change happens in the circle of community? Why don't we pray? Can we do that? Online, why don't you join us? We're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit of God, there you are. Thank you that you are here. We need you. God, we acknowledge we need you. God, I thank you for every person that is in this room. God, that you know that we're here and you're glad that we're here. 
God, we want to hear from you today. We thank you that we're not just listening to ideas or opinions, but the truth of your word. God, that our hearts and our minds, they would be open. We would be open to the truth of your word, to be convicted by your word, to be changed and transformed by your truth and your grace. We don't want to leave here the same. God, we acknowledge we all need to change, become more like you. Personally, Holy Spirit of God, I need you. God, help me preach this word. I need your grace, your power, your authority, your anointing. I am so aware that I am nothing without you. And God, I think your word says that you are near the brokenhearted. And I just pray for all my brothers and sisters that are brokenhearted like me because Starbucks pumpkin flavor has been stopped until the fall season. That you would give us the strength to make it to fall. And everybody said. Everybody said. It's 2023. Happy New Year. We made it. I hope your year got off to a good start. Mine started with the Jets being eliminated from the playoffs and a visit to CHKD Urgent Care because my son picked a fight with the coffee table and the coffee table definitely won. I don't know if you're like me, but when you get to the end of a year and you go into a new year, you look back and you evaluate how your year has gone and then you look into the new year and I think and I pray about some goals and faith goals about what I'd like to see happen in my life and in my family and, and, and I thought I would share some of those with you today because I know you care so much. Is that okay? Now, some of these are kingdom and spiritual, and some of them are not. Here's, a, here's some of my goals this year. Number one is, 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 is uh, I want to get taller this year. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing so hard. I don't know how. I'm looking for organic treatments. I don't want surgery, but... I want to get taller this year. I didn't mind being shorter and petite when I was in high school, but as a 32-year-old dad, I'd like to stop using a step stool to get to the top shelf in the kitchen. My second one is, is and this is just going to relate to some people today, I, I, I'm, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to faith declare it, I'm going to shoot even par playing golf this year. Some of you guys don't know what that means. There's golfers in this room, and you know what that means. You know it's spiritual, and there's some of you who have played golf with me, and you know how unrealistic that is. Third one is I want to spend less time on social media. And I want to spend less time on my phone. It is embarrassing how often, I don't know if you know this, you can set a limit to how much time you're on you know, social media every day, how often, and it asks you the question like, you know, you, you've reached your limit, and there's an option to ignore that limit. I don't even know why that's an option. How often I, yeah, we're going to ignore that limit today. This year, I want to laugh more. We need to laugh more. You ever met somebody who obviously needs to laugh more? If you never have, just go to the DMV. They all need to laugh more. <laughs> there are things in life that are serious and we must take seriously. And there are things in life that are not that serious, that we take too seriously. And I think we need to laugh more. That's for me. Fifth, I, I want to go on more dates with my wife. We've got our third little monster on the way. I want to go on more dates 
with my wife. I want to go on more adventure, adventures with my little monsters, my kiddos. What honor it is to raise a little army of warriors for the kingdom of God. Amen. Also, pray for my kids because they need the Lord. Seventhly, <laughs> that's a word, seventhly, I want to memorize, I, I want to memorize more scripture. I don't want to find myself in a deep, dark pit and have to Google a verse that I need. I want it in my heart. I want to be more intentionally generous. Don't get me wrong, my family, I, Brooke and I, she's serving a wave kids today. We tithe, I tithe, we tithe, I've tithe since I know what money is. And over and above our tithes, we're generous. We give to God's house. And I want to be more intentional with my generosity, opportunities to be generous. I was at a coffee shop this week, one of my favorite coffee shops called Three Ships, and I went to tip a dollar on top of my coffee. Don't judge me. I go there like 18 times a week, so it adds up. And I went to do a dollar, and it added two zeros, and I almost tipped $100, almost had a heart attack. <laughs> That's accidental generosity. I want to be intentional. I want to, this year, I want to forgive people faster, and I want to have more grace for people. How often I see in my own life, and I see people in church, and we have all these great dreams and aspirations and goals, even this year, goals for what God, we want to see God do, and I think sometimes God is looking at our life and saying, that stuff's great, but I can't do all that much until you forgive that person. Tenth one is I want to, I want to pray more. I, I, and specifically, I, I mean this because I, I love that I can pray and we can pray in the car, we can pray in the shower, we can pray at work, and, and we, we can pray in the spirit anywhere that we are. But, but for me this year, there, there, there's also a place that I pray. It's right over here. It's my prayer spot. You can't go there because I call dibs. It's mine. And I know that I need to spend more time in that place of prayer. Now, I want to add one more to this list that I would like to suggest and propose to you and I today that the moment you become a follower of Jesus, this goal that I'm about to share, it becomes your goal as a follower of Jesus. I would like to propose that this goal I'm about to share should be for all of us as a church family. The moment you give your life to Jesus, you become a disciple of Jesus, this becomes a focused part of your life. And it is this, if you're, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is, is this year I want to become more passionate for the church. If you would like a more spiritual way to say it, that zeal for his house would consume me. My prayer for us this year is that zeal for his house would consume us. You say, Joshua, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. We're passionate. And that may be the case, but I believe it's imperative that we are reminded that we cannot limit church to just a nice service. But the church is meant to be a city on a hill. And then at some point, we've got to get out of the seats that we are sitting in, and we've got to go, and we've got to be the church. The Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations starting here. Church, may I remind us, this year, 2023, God's goal has not changed. It's still the church. 
God's goal has, has not changed. It's still the church that's still his plan. Can I get an amen? And maybe this year, one of your goals was to be more blessed, to be blessed, to be more blessed. And, and I think that's awesome. And I'm going to pray for that. But can I also remind us how blessed we already are that Jesus has saved you, that he's called you, that he's called you to be a part of his church? Can you believe? Can you believe that God chooses you and I to be his church? Can you believe that? Did you know the moment that you become a follower of Jesus, that you surrender your life to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes upon you? That the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you and that you enter into the body of Christ, his church, his family. Did you know that? Maybe you've never completed a membership class at church. But if you've given your life to Jesus, you've joined the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? And according to my Bible... There is no such thing as a follower of Jesus that is not a part of the body. It does not exist in his word in God's plan. And we may think, and I've been here, church, we may think that we can be Christians and intentionally isolate ourselves and refuse to take part in God's expression of a local church. But you're still part of the body. We're just a rebellious part of the body. We're like my receding hairline. We're running away from where we're supposed to be staying. Church, make no mistake, I've been here. A Christian choosing to isolate from the body is, is rebelling against not just some of the wisdom, but all the wisdom. You are looking at someone, church, who does not carry the same level of zeal week in and week out to just be in church. Oh, there's some Sunday mornings I would love to sleep in. I would love to play golf. Can I get an Amen. But this Christian life, the body of Christ, was never meant to be convenient and easy. These are desperate times we are living in. The Bible says, wake up from your sleep. These are desperate times we are living in. And too often in the Western church, we've got Christians who are sleeping. Not just metaphorically, literally on Sunday morning sleeping. I get it, those cold Rainy Sunday mornings, oh, it's so much easier to sleep. Oh, but I know in my life, if it's cold and rainy, I'm going to drive my kids to school. If it's cold and rainy, I'm going to drive them to their sports game. And if it's a Sunday morning and it's 33 degrees and raining, you best believe my kids are getting in my car. For as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we're going to have fun on the way. We'll play Sing 2 soundtrack. I don't care. Why? Why should we carry a zeal for the church? By the way, a quick disclaimer. Every one of us has a reason to leave church. Many of us have good reasons. Welcome to the offended club. I've got a lifetime membership. Why? Because the church isn't perfect. Because I'm here. And because you're here. And because we're here, there's many different amazing people who are on a journey. And we're walking out our salvation and the sanctification process. And people are crazy. 
Did you ever notice that? We all have a little crazy in us. Oh, church, I've been offended. If you haven't been offended yet, just wait, it's coming. And, and God's word instructs us on how to handle offense, conflict, and evil within the church. But I am more committed to the unity of the body of Christ and I'm more committed to the bride of Christ. And so I choose grace and forgiveness and reconciliation over and over and over and over and over again because I have been forgiven. Oh, I love the church, her imperfections and all. Why should we carry a zeal? As, and I'm talking to followers of Jesus this morning. Why should we carry a zeal for the church? Because God's word's not mine. Jesus says, for I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why should we be passionate for the church? Because Jesus is not building anything else. My first job, my first real job was working for a company called Atlantic Foundations, an amazing company, concrete company. I'm thankful for all the amazing construction workers because I am not graced by God. Did it for about a year. And you know what's interesting is we would go to job sites. Never once did I see an employee leave our job site and go and start building on another because they understood what we were building. Never once as I was pouring concrete at 5 o'clock in the morning, did I look over at another property and think to myself, I'm going to go pour concrete over there. I'm going to start gardening while I'm here. I would get yelled at by my boss, Josh, what are you doing? I just thought maybe I would build over here. Josh, that you work for Atlantic Foundations. That's a different company. We are building here. And I think sometimes God looks at his church and he looks at Christians and he's like, guys, what are you doing? What are you building over there? I am building my church, the church that has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. It is owned by our Savior. Can I get an amen? It is the family and the body of Christ where we get to gather and we get to worship the name of Jesus. Where we get to bring our gifts that the Holy Spirit has given each of us and place them before God to make his church work and to move forward and to reach our city and to ensure that the church shines as it should. And I want to make sure the light of wave church shines brighter and she does not dimmer. Why the church? Because it is the only thing that brings true unity to humanity. No matter who we are, Jew, Gentile, Republican, Democrat, male or female, whether we grew up a saint or the best sinner in the sin game, it is the same spirit that brings us all together. It is the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? No matter what our citizenship is here on earth, we are all citizens of heaven. We all drink from the same well. That's why we take communion. Because it reminds us why we're all here in the midst of division and stuff and conflict, communion. It reminds all of, oh, that's right, we're here. Oh, it's Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus. And I would suggest a church in division is simply a distracted church whose eyes have swayed from the cross and the resurrection. Yet may we fix our eyes on Jesus again. It is only 
through this that we are able to open the door to unity in our lives and in the church. Oh, I love the church. I love the church because I love Jesus. I love the church because Jesus died for his church. He's coming back for his church. I love the church because I am the church. I love the church because it is so much more than a service on Sunday. And church, don't get me wrong, we need, we need this, we need to gather. The Bible says do not neglect the gathering of the saints. In these services we add our faith. The Holy Spirit of God is moving, there is healing in this place. There is salvation in this place. There is peace, there is the power of God in this place. I get to give my gift and my worship and my glory to God, but it just starts here. Oh, the church, it is my community, it is my family, it is where I link arms with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we go to battle together. Therefore, I am the church beyond just a seat on Sunday. I am the church when I leave on Monday. It is my family that picks me up when I fall. It is my family that mourns when I mourn. It is my family that rejoices when I rejoice. I love the church because it is the plan of my father's zeal for his house. Oh, it consumes me. However, in today's Western context, we have to be careful not to confuse a church service with community. We have to be careful not to think a seat. And hearing a nice word, checking the box, is God's whole plan for community. I would suggest there is an issue in Christian culture today where we have mistaken a seat with community. And the devil loves this. Oh, because he knows how easy it is to sit in church and not be in community. Can I get an amen? So we need to answer the question, what is community? What is God's design for community? We see in Paul's letter to the Corinthians church, an analogy and a reminder and a picture and a glimpse into what church community is. Paul says this, I'm going to read it again, but God, you got to remember he's writing to the Corinthians church. Guys, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Paul writes this statement and says this powerful statement. If one member of the body suffers, everyone should feel it. I've gotten to a stage in my life where my body has started to suffer. And my dream to play in the NFL is most likely not going to happen because reality and inflammation and height is setting in. I've reached the stage where my back hurts after physical activity and rest. I wake up and my back hurts. 
I've reached a stage in life when I take my kids to the trampoline park, I have to stretch when we get there. It's like, Dad, come on. Kids, Dad's got to stretch because if he doesn't, he might not make it out of here alive. And I'm becoming more injury prone. They used to be athletic injuries, and now they're just injuries. Everything has become dangerous. Get out of bed too fast. But there is one injury that transcends every generation. Whether you are five or 95, when this injury takes place, it affects all of who you are. Because there's some injuries that don't. I burned my thumb the other week in my fire pit, and it hurt my thumb. But it did not affect the rest of my body. My foot was fine. It maybe affected my arm because I shook my hand because it burned, but it did not affect the rest of my body. But there is one injury that affects all of who you are, and it is when you stub your toe. This happened to me just recently. Again, I was at home with my son, Lachlan, just him and I. We're watching golf. He doesn't like to watch it yet, but he will. And he was in his high chair, and I made his lunch, and then I went to go get my lunch, and I made my lunch and put it on my paper plate. Shout out to paper plates to all the parents out there. Can I get an amen? And I make my lunch and I begin to walk my way back into the living room. And church, I don't know what happened. It's as if somebody broke into our house and moved where the wall was. I didn't tell anyone. And I'm walking into the living room to spend lunch and time, father-son time watching golf with my boy. And church, it was as if Thor grabbed my leg. And threw it into the corner of the living room as hard as he could. It was just a simple little step. But upon impact, it felt like my toe had imploded. I thought it was gone. It may as well have been a shark attack. It's not there anymore. And the pain began to make its way through my body. Has it ever happened to you? Every cell and fiber in my body can feel this pain. I can feel pain in parts of my body. I didn't even know you could feel pain and I could feel it in my soul. And I fall into the living room and my lunch goes flying. I'm trying not to say bad words in front of my son. And I can't scream yet because it's that, it's so much pain. It's that silent scream. It's like your spirit is building up more power to scream louder. <clears throat> And I fall to the ground. I'm like crying out to God, God, could you take this from me? Anyone, Jordan Peterson, if you're out there and you can help me, can you save me? And I remember that there's this, you know, some people, you have so much pain that you pass out. I'm trying to pass out on purpose. <laughs> and then I look at my son. And this child... I have never seen a little human being laugh so hard. His head is so far back from laughing, I thought he was possessed. I thought I was going to have to pray for him. It was like the Holy Spirit struck him with laughter. His little body is trembling with laughter. Like, you think this is funny? And as much as I couldn't breathe from pain, he couldn't breathe from joyful hysteria. When I stub my toe, the rest of my body knows. It cannot help 
but be aware. And my concern for the church is so often we think we're in community. Yet as we sit in rows, there are people next to us who are hurting and we have no idea. And there are people in the row next to us who are rejoicing and we have no idea. My concern for the church is we sometimes think we're, we are in community. Yet we don't know. We don't know how people are really doing. More specifically, nobody knows how we are really doing. Paul writes, Paul says the church, church community, a real Jesus community, is when someone's hurting, the rest of the body feels it and knows it and cannot help but be aware of it. We are in a row, but we are not in a circle of community. So my question for us today, church, is are you in a row or are you in a circle? Are we simply in rows? Are we in circle, circles? My question would be this, who is in your circle? Whose circle are you in? Have you opened your life to fellow believers? I guess my point is a zeal for his house really means a zeal for community. And I want to get really practical. We're almost done. The team can come on up. Pete. And the team, if you want. Because I believe one of the most effective ways, I just want to share some stories this morning, because I believe one of the most effective ways, it's not the only way, but one of the most effective ways that we create circles of community is, is, is through small groups. We call them community groups, CGs, whatever church word you want to use. At the end of the day, what I like about community groups, for me personally, is it forces me to schedule time in my busyness to open my life to a circle of community. Because I'm busy like you are. I've got a family. I've got a job. I've got kids. I've got golf. And I've got good reasons to not be there. But I would suggest, church, that if we are too busy, if we are too busy to be in a circle of community, then, then I think we've missed it as his church. And I've been in community groups since I can remember, but I just wanted to focus on this last semester. And you're going to hear a little later, Caleb's going to, talk about our next semester coming up. We do a small group through semesters throughout the year because it just makes sense. And I got to open my life to my circle of community, a group of guys this last semester, last year, 10 or so guys. Some of them had known each other for years. Some of them had just met in this community group and we got to open our lives to each other, follow Jesus together. All of them busy. All of them had good reasons every week not to be there, but they were committed to their circle of community. And, and I can't help but think about this verse. And my circle of community, when, when, when Paul says, when one member of the body suffers, all suffer. And when one wins, 
all win. I just want to share four little moments from my circle of community. And I asked all of these guys if it was okay to share parts of their story. And I loved all their responses. It was absolutely. To help somebody, absolutely. One of the guys that we had linked arms with had been going through absolute heartache in his marriage. Opening up and talking to ask us to pray for him, not to take sides, but to stand and pray with him. His heart, his commitment was to honor God in the process, honor people, keep his heart soft. And he asked us specifically to pray for his little girl, that she would be protected in all of it. And I love one of the stories as we prayed for this man and his marriage and his, his daughter as one night his little girl came to him and said, Dad, Dad, it's, I don't know if I'm getting the night right, but Dad, it's Tuesday night. I said, that's cool, sweetie. What does that mean? Dad, Jesus, he talks to me on Tuesday nights. Another man of God in my circle of community is in the Navy. He's also a businessman, and his relationship with his brother had been broken, and this was his best friend. And if you've ever faced heartache with a family member, you know the pain. He's just asked us. We haven't seen the victory yet, but we, we stand with him. He's asked us, we're going we're to pray for a miracle, that this relationship could be restored and reconciled. Another man of God in my circle of community, and I've known this guy for years. And I respect him so much. And years and years and years ago, he had been severely mistreated by, by the church, by a pastor. Unfortunately, that happens every now and then. It's not okay. And now, this amazing man and his family, they've found themselves back in God's house. They've worked and processed forgiveness, reconciled, with church, trusting pastors again. I was able to ask for forgiveness on behalf of the church. And I've watched him share his story with honor with these group of guys. How many people that's going to help? Oh, you can face pain and heartache, but you can trust. You can give church a shot again. I love as he shared that he's shared with our circle of communities. We started tithing again. Oh, I love the church. Another young man in our CG circle of community is in the Navy. And last year, he decided, he said, Josh, I'm going to fast. I've never fasted. I'm going to fast for the first time. And that's awesome. He was just believing and praying even for just clarity of his future, what that may look like. And I'll never forget, he asked, Josh, we need to get coffee. I said, okay, let's get coffee. We have CG tonight, but sure, we can get coffee today. We started talking and just the, the excitement and passion from fasting. His eyes have been open to the spiritual realm, aware of what was spiritually going on in his life, aware that the enemy was attacking him because the enemy was upset with his choices to follow Jesus. I said, man, that's awesome. 
sharing with our CG a bit of his story in the military and then clarity for his future, this job opportunity that if I could describe to you, you would understand just how impossible this is. It was just such a God thing. And he shared it with our circle of community and we got to rally and pray as he interviewed through this process. And, and church, when I tell you that when we found out, when he told us that he, he got the promotion, it was like we all got promoted. And I want to I want to show you. If you guys come up here, I want to show you. It's cool. Take your time. We'll wait for you. These are most of the guys. This is my circle of community. Thank you. Thank you. I made sure that there was another short person in the CG. And I don't want to show you. We're going to link arms because church. I want to show you what church looks like. This is what church looks like. And when I tell you, when I tell you that when one of these guys suffer, we all suffer. And when one of these guys wins, we all win. And we challenge each other and we pray for each other and we go to war together, we battle together. And we pick each other up when we fall. We offend each other. Sean, Tom Brady's so much better than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> He's offended. Will you forgive me? Yeah. yeah. We forgive each other. These guys are in church every single week with their families. They're not just sitting in rows, but they've gone beyond a seat and they've opened their lives to a circle of community. This is what church looks like. Joe, most of these guys don't know you, haven't met you, but we've prayed for you and Lauren every week. This is what church looks like. Come on, can you give these guys a hand? I also made sure I was a part of a CG. If I ever got in a fight, I was good. Church, would you this year open your life? Would we go beyond just a row? And would we open our lives to the circle of community? Maybe you've already found your circle, your friends. May we be committed. Can I challenge us to be passionate and have zeal for helping everybody find their place? Church, I believe the days are coming where we will see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people flooding into our church. But it will not just be a crowd. It will just be made up of circles of people taking care of each other, praying for each other as we share the gospel, as we reach our community, as we build a bigger and better and more effective church for the next generation. <laughs>